Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 176 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today, I have the privilege to speak with Michelle, Xavier and Aiden's mom. Michelle lost both of her boys when they were in an accident just a few months before my son Andy's accident. So this is an emotional interview, certainly for both of us, I think, especially so for me, because it brings back so many memories of our own accident. So just be warned of that. But Michelle has gone through a lot in these almost five years. And I know you will appreciate hearing from her and will learn so much from her. Thank you so much, Michelle, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Thank you for having me. I am really looking forward to talking. Just to let the audience know, it's really funny. So last week's guest, I actually just interviewed a few hours ago. So, and if you recall from last week, Tammy was a listener of the podcast for two and a half years and finally kind of got up the courage to email me and ask to come on to tell Abby's story. And then now we have Michelle. And Michelle is really a brand new listener. She's only been listening for the past three or four weeks. Now it will be, by the time this airs, it'll be more like a month or and a half. But she's a new listener, but kind of quickly felt like, you know what? I think I need to tell my story too. So I think that it's great that you guys are back to back in some ways because it's really your two ends of the spectrum. And it just is, again, to invite anyone who wants to come on and tell their story, please email me. I love to hear from people and to hear from you and Tammy both within a couple of days of each other and get this scheduled was really amazing for me. So thank you for that. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for just fitting me in on your very busy schedule. Yeah. Well, Michelle, why don't you talk about your boys? Because you've got two boys to talk about today. Correct. So I had or have two boys. I have Xavier. He was my oldest and he was 17. And I have Aiden, who was 14 at the time. And they were just my whole entire life. Yeah. Xavier, I always say I had him when I was 20. And so he was like the kick in the butt that me and my husband needed to get our stuff together. Right. You know, like we were just having too much fun and he made us grow up. Yeah. Very much. It was was time to focus on college. I, you know, wasn't doing fantastic my freshman year. And so it was like, okay, you need to get on course and, and finish up 
um, your nursing degree here. So I always say, you know, if, if I didn't have him, I probably wouldn't have finished college. I might have dropped out. So it's so funny because I think it can do one or the other because sometimes you get pregnant and like, okay, I need to drop all of this and I need to just be a mom. But then other times I think it focuses you to really kind of grow up and like, I want to give my child the best life I can. And that is by getting myself together, right? So that's what he did for you. He did. He did for me and my husband to get like both. We were like, okay, now, you know, we're going to bring this life into this world. So we got to get it together. Yeah. You know, so they're, they were both two and a half years apart. And so Aiden, I, um, you say I was like on the five year, you know, college plan because I did <laughs> yeah. take a semester offer when I had Xavier and then applied to the nursing program and then got accepted. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with Bowling Green State University. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. So over here in Ohio, so going into my final year, so my fifth year in the nursing program, I had Aiden <laughs> right before in <laughs> August. <laughs> Before the, the last year started and, you know, I give so much props to my mom and just our family because I wouldn't have probably finished if I didn't have their support and love. And at that time, the nursing program was if you, you know, you took, you had to wait a whole year to come yeah. back. So we just pop, plowed through. I finished. And and so, um, like I said, I, gave, I give them both so much credit because they made me so much stronger. Yeah. And so I feel like they both just had this, I don't know, incredible just ethic about them. Like they just always push themselves. Now, Zave, my oldest, like he was just on his own. Like he had to work hard for everything and he excelled really, really well at sports. Like it was his thing. Like he really liked it. You yeah. know, he, he put the time in, he would get up uh, sometimes before our alarm would go off he would get up, get himself in the shower. And then he, you know, and it, which is kind of backwards. Then he would do push-ups and sit-ups every morning. And when I'd yeah. be like, well, why would you take a shower first? Now you're just getting all sweaty. But he said he needed the shower to wake him up. And so he was just this nice, kind soul who, who's always smiling. And I think just rooting other people on. And I think, yeah. I think he learned, like both of my boys kind of had like a speech issue growing up. So they were always kind of working with a speech therapist throughout mm -hmm. school. So I think he knew like that he needed, you know, to support others because at times, you know, when, when yeah. he was little, you know, just trying to pronunciate, you know, I think uh, sometimes he was teased. So I think he, he learned that young and then kind of carried that on with him. So he had a, a really big heart and Aiden, Aiden was this just like my little, he was the one, you know, where you knew he was just going to speak what was on his mind. And sometimes you were like, please don't say it, <laughs> the wrong thing, you know, but he just, he had this like just love for life too. And he, he definitely followed like in, in his brother's footsteps. Like, you know, everyone was like, oh, are you going to be as good as Xavier? Are you going to run it as fast as Xavier? And I feel like he carried that on his shoulder, like, where Xavier was a huge Ohio State fan, Aiden was like, I'm a Michigan fan. Like, you know, just just to cause that rowdiness, you know, and then he'd be all Michigan. So we'd have to buy everything Michigan and like have this house divided here. But he just loved just to be just a little bit rowdy. Yeah. 
in our house. And, and he was just, I feel like, you know, my baby, he was my baby. So I only have had, only had the two boys at the time. Yeah. He was just coming to his own. He was in eighth grade and in seventh grade, he ran really well. They were both big runners for me. I'm, I'm a runner. So I kind of like pass that on to them. Yeah. And Xavier didn't really focus on running because he was really into the football and basketball, but he would run for me just to stay conditioned and would have been a great runner, I would would have assumed, if he would have just stuck with it, but it wasn't his passion. But he did have his own little records. And so Aiden, you know, his seventh grade year in cross country, he ran faster times, but Xavier would be like, no, 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 no. It didn't count. Mom didn't buy me spikes. You had spikes. <laughs> so none of those times. Were... So in eighth grade, you know, Aiden, Xavier ran in spikes in eighth grade. So then when Aiden, so he was just finally, I feel like coming into his own, starting yeah. to get confident and uh, was really looking forward to track season because he really wanted to break five minutes. So there's always this joke because he hadn't broke five minutes as a seventh, seventh grader. And so his eighth grade year I mean he was just geared up for it I had done some track had just started so he had done some try like time trials and he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna be so much faster you know and so it was you know really disappointing that we didn't and didn't get to see his full potential as a runner but they were great I mean I they served um, we're Catholic they served you know, as part of their church, they went to elementary Catholic school. And so their faith was so much deeper than I realized, even while they were here. Like, I, I guess, you know, I just, they went to Catholic school, they learned it. And, yeah. you know, we went to church every Sunday. And I feel like when they say like, we just go through the motions, I felt like that. I felt like Maybe that's just what I did. I would, you know, every Sunday we'd go to church and I'd be like, you know, God gives yeah. us all week. You can give them an hour. That's all we need. And then, and there was never, they never like really argued about it. If I had to work on Sundays, you know, they'd still go without me. I'd make my husband get them up and, you know, take them and, and they'd serve. And even the Sunday before they passed, you know, they had served in the church and there was like a funny story. I like had worked on Christmas Eve and they were to serve at Christmas Eve mass. And they said they like got there and pretty much raced each other up opposite sides of the church <laughs> to get to the back to get their stuff ready. And of course they were always like running late because they must take after me. And so everybody in the congregation saw these two trying to, you know, secretly race each other. They were just like best friends, I would say. Like, yeah. I remember because Xavier, he turned 17 in March and he was going to go to Europe. The school was going on a big trip to Europe over the summer and he was going to go and he was getting all this stuff. You know, we had to get his passport and yeah. my father gave him a big gift of money before like just planning like as far as birthday so that when he went to Europe, he had all the spending money. And I remember you know, it is like, it's not fair. It's not fair. You know, he always gets everything, you know? And so, <laughs> but I remember just sitting in the kitchen and I, I told like Aiden, I was like, no, you're the best gift. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I had you for Xavier. Like, cause yeah. you're going to grow up and you guys are going to be best friends one day. And yeah. So, but they were good. Even the day of their accident, <laughs> 
that morning, like they were both on AAU teams. They so we, they were really busy. So they both played football and they played basketball and they ran track and you know earlier in the years baseball. But as Xavier got into high school, baseball faded out and. And, but they played on um, travel, like summer basketball league. So they were just getting through tryout. And February is usually the huge tryout. I shouldn't say February. It's like end of February, March, because they have to wait till tournaments are over for the high school basketball season before they can start trying out. But Aiden had just made this different AAU team that he really wanted to be on because he wanted to be a point guard. It was like heartbreaking for me because the team that Xavier played for and that Aiden had played for, like they were, they were my family. Right. So I was kind of like, Oh, just really. But I knew that he wanted to do it. And the night before the accident, he, I had, he had one of his practices and I watched him and he looked so confident out there. And I was like, Oh, this is the right move. But I had to order what do you call it? Like spirit pack for him. And that morning, Xavier's like, give me a shirt too. And I'm like, why would you want a shirt? And he's like, I want to support my little bro, you know? So, and Aiden was just so excited by that. Just that confidence. Yeah. Right. So yeah, even though they bickered, they were, they were so close to each other, but yeah, they, and they pushed each other so much. Yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds like they did. So do you want to go on now and talk about what happened? I will. I have a lot of guilt because I'm the mother. And I always feel like when I tell this, I always think back, like, what is wrong with me? Like, (laughs) as a mother, like, who doesn't take their kid to the dentist? So they had left for school that morning. And they always left at 730. And school starts just like probably like 803 or 805. And so they left you know, we're all Russian. They went to school. I'm getting around and I come out and Xavier had sent me a text. Hey, I forgot there's a blood drive here. I'm going to give blood. And he had like never given blood before. So I was like, okay, drink plenty of water, you know, stay hydrated. Yeah. And then it hit me. Oh my God. They had a dentist appointment at nine. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh, Xavier, you have a dentist appointment. So I was like, oh no, you know, and like I had some people coming into the school to do some education. So I was like, you know, like it's at nine. I have to be at my school at nine, which is an hour away. Because you're a school nurse. Because I'm a school nurse now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, called Xavier real quickly and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have a dentist appointment. What do you think? Can you get get Aiden and then drive over there? And, you know, the dentist was just, we live in a very rural area. So it's like 15 miles to the next little village. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and then he's like, I had this test, but then he got to miss the test in the morning. So he was kind of excited. He's excited he, about it. Yeah. Then um, he's going to come back and give blood. So I was like, okay, like, can you do this? He's like, yeah. So I called Aiden and Aiden was like, I don't want to go. And I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to go. And he's like, no, I'll go. Because really getting out of school is probably way cooler. Right, right, right. And not- He just wanted to be able to complain about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. for a second. So then I like called the schools and and told them, hey, I forgot they had a dentist appointment. Aiden's going to come down at 8.30 and then they're going to leave. And so they left and then, you know- Xavier texted me that he got there, you know, then they were at the dentist. And then this is where I feel even more guilty. So we had like this statewide fire drill, like right before 10. 
And so, you know, like we did that and then I had these different education programs coming and then it was 1030 and I was like, oh my gosh, like I never followed up. Like, did they make it back? Like nobody sent me a text. So none of them had texted me. I couldn't get a hold of any of them. Like none of them are responding to me. And I'm like, where are you? Did you make it back? Did you make it back? Nobody like would respond. You know, I call the school and I said, hey, did they come in? And, you know, the secretary is like, no, nobody's checked in. I'm like, well, I can't get a hold of anybody in the middle school because the building's all connected. But like the high school office and then the middle school Mm -hmm. office are two separate offices. And I'm like, well, is it is it possible? Like, could somebody have let Xavier in a side door and he just slipped in and didn't think that he had to go back to the office to sign back in? Like, could you call a classroom? And she's like, I'm sure they just went to lunch, you know, um, I was like, okay. So I tried the middle school too, and Aiden wasn't back yet. And you know, that just awful feelings just started setting in. Like, where are my babies? Cause they they would they wouldn't not not right. answer. Because they texted you when they got to the dentist. So yeah. my neighbor, my wonderful neighbor, she was home. She worked from home and I called her and I was like <laughs> Lori, will you go? Like, I'm like, I don't know. This is weird, but maybe they're at home. Like maybe they had to stop at home. Maybe they started playing a video game. I don't know. Like just right. grasping for straws. I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, the secretary thinks maybe they went to lunch. I'm like, can you, and so I was trying to do like, find my iPhone. Yeah. It kept showing Xavier in Dashler, like where we live over, but I'm like, this doesn't seem right. So she did. She came, you know, looked in the garage, looked in the house. She's like, you know, his car's not there. She cruised around. She even went out like by our bowling alley because there's not really many places to eat here in, in this village. And so she's like, no, they're not here. And so I'm like, okay, some. so I called the dentist, like maybe they were running late, you know, like in my head, I'm just trying to like grasp okay, where are they? Not there. I thought, okay, well, maybe they stopped by my father-in-law's on their way home because they, you know, they could have went home that way. And maybe he was outside and they started talking, you know, like I'm just grasping for a million different reasons where they're at. And in the meantime, I'm sending them like mean face emojis. Like you better call me, like call me now. I'm going to call the police. Like, where are you? And nothing. So I, you know, I start calling my husband who works construction. So he's not responding. And I'm like, just starting to lose it. Like I have like this asthma educator in my office. And then I have these um, child abuse prevention program educators in my office. And I like, can't breathe. Like I just, yeah. So I make my way up to the office and I'm like, tell my principal, like something is wrong. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I got to leave. Like I got to find my children. I don't know where they're at. She's like, okay. And I, I, I bet at that time, like I must've been a mess. So she came with me. Like I, we work at, like I work an hour away. So she, she's like, I'm leaving. So she came with me in the car and I started thinking like, okay, I'm calling the school again. Did they come in? Please tell me that they're there. And they're like, you know, calling in the classroom. It's like, no, no, no. Like it's a very small community. So one of the track coaches was a Dashler policeman where like the village that we live and um, I had his number. So I called him and he's like, you know, Michelle, I'm not on. Let me call, you know, the cop that is on. Um, so I'm like, was there an accident? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why are they answering me? So he, the Dusher cop calls me back and says that there was a car accident outside of another little village, but he didn't have any details. And so like, I knew then. 
Yeah. Like it had to be them. And I had called the dentist office too, because I knew they'd be closer. And my friend worked there and she wasn't like, she was like, I can't answer the phone. I'm like, it's an emergency. Like, so I'm like trying to, and so I'm like, there was an accident. Like, this is how I think he would have went. So she took off and, you know, I have at the time I didn't know, but my neighbor, her husband had been home that day too. So they took off kind of just driving the route that they thought that they would drive to go to the dentist and my husband I had gotten a hold of him and you know I called him I said there's an accident and he's like it's them like I'm like well let's go because he I had gotten a hold of him somewhere in that chaotic mess and he was driving to the high school because he thought for sure that they were they'd be back at the high school by the time yeah right we'd get get there and so but I got like halfway and I called Lori my neighbor again and and the sheriff got on the phone. <sighs> the sheriff was there? So there was a cop. So Lori had gotten to the site of the accident. Oh. Their car was upside down in a, we call it a ditch, but it really is like a creek um, that empties into the Maumee River, which is a pretty big river. So it was pretty deep. And she had explained to them that there were two teenage boys in that car because they did, they had thought maybe like somebody had just wrecked it overnight and dumped the car and got out. And she explained to them that, no, there's somebody looking for these children. Like there's two kids in there. So then, then they got like the dive team from Toledo had to come. And in the meantime, all this is happening and I'm still like driving. So I'm halfway there and I just want him, like, I want to know which hospital to go to because where I'm from, you're either going to go back where I'm coming from because I work in Toledo or like, so you're going to take my children to a hospital and, but cause I don't know that they're drowned in, in a car. I just think they're in a car accident. And so he told me to stop driving and to pull in to a, went to somewhere because I couldn't drive anymore because <laughs> I'm driving. And then he told me over the phone that they were in an accident and I just kept saying, like, what hospital are you taking them to? And, and then he said that they didn't survive. Yeah. And not to come. But I couldn't not come. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. are you kidding me? So I – my principal had was driving at this time because, like, when I pulled over, so the cop would just tell me because he wouldn't tell me. And so my principal had gotten in the driver's seat. So she – I made her drive me to the accident when I got there, I just, I, I, I couldn't not, not believe this. Like they're just dead, you know, yeah, like they just I know. went off the I know. road and are dead. I'm telling you, I so know because that is exactly like, that is exactly me. I just felt like your, your kid doesn't just die on the side of the road, right? They make it to the hospital. Like, you should make it to the hospital. I don't know. That's all I kept kind of thinking was like, how is this happening? How is he just dead on the side of the road? And they're not like, like, they're not even doing anything, right? It's just so hard, especially, especially because I don't know if it's more because I'm medically trained and I'm just like, it's not like I haven't been around kids that have died. I have, but, you know, always in the hospital. I just, I don't know. I don't know why it was so hard for me to kind of grasp this is not happening in a hospital, but that was hard for me. Yeah. And and when I got there, I thought they would let me see them and they wouldn't. Yeah. 
I couldn't even go up there. They were like, no, no. And I mean, I sprinted through the field, but the assumption is, and we, there is no assumption that it was a crazy, you know, I live in Northwest Ohio. So the day before it had been probably 50 and beautiful and windy, the wind was picking up. And then that morning we woke up and there was snow. Yeah. But I, you know, like in my head, I flew up to Toledo. I mean, I didn't even really think about like the roads being bad. Xavier had made it to school. You know, I, yeah. I don't really know. And and we'll never know. We'll never really know what happened. But they were just cruising back from the dentist. And somehow he went off the road. Unfortunately, like he, when we, the exact spot where he went off, there was a crick that but then there was like the spot that he hit that sent them airborne and like flipped the car upside down into the crick I mean it was just like yeah I don't I don't think you could redo it I mean I, so I don't I don't really know yeah what happened did an animal run out you know they pull the phone records and they say okay he wasn't texting but you know were they switching songs I'll never know that you know I mean I don't know if yeah. he was distracted that way you know where's was him and Aiden arguing? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what caused him to go off the road. You know, some people say like there were these snow patches, like just came in and kind of like was like a quick white out. Like, yeah. So I don't, I don't really know what happened. And that's hard, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's hard. It took forever for anybody to find him. There was a guy, which I didn't know. I mean, I feel like the first month was so foggy and then. Once they started coming out, there was like all these different stories that I think everyone was just protecting us from hearing. Yeah. But there was a guy who actually went by that accident at 1015 and he was like in the semi truck and he saw the car flipped upside down. So I feel like they wrecked probably at like 10 in the morning and he, he didn't call 911. He called the gas station that he just delivered to. And told the clerk. Yeah. The clerk didn't call 911. She called a friend that was um, a paramedic. So that guy went out in his ambulance and was looking because the guy that had called it in had said there was a car flipped upside down in a pond. So he was driving around looking for a car in a pond and still didn't think for him to call for help. And then it wasn't until another guy was coming across that bridge at about like 1115 that um, he saw the car upside down and then he he called 911 and then wow you know so you know they didn't perform CPR on them which I didn't know that at first either until I had talked to the coroner and he said that there wasn't a reason to like they had been under just too long but you know like in my heart sometimes I think why didn't you try for me like just you read all these miraculous stories like yeah and so I, that was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to hear those miracle stories too. It is. You know. What if you would have tried? And like, you know, the autopsy like came back, like they looked perfect. So I was able to see them that day. Like they wouldn't let me see them at the scene. And my friend who is a nurse practitioner up at um, UTMC, I, I told her, I was like, I have to see them. Like, I can't even believe this. Like I have yeah. to, I have to get in the, in there. So she called the morgue and um, talked to the lady that was going to do the autopsy. And, and she let us drive up there. So we drove up there and 
I didn't get to touch them, but I got to, I got to see them because I feel like I, I couldn't just believe like, yeah, I wasn't just going to come home and believe that they were just gone. I, it just seems so unreal. Yeah. I was very lucky and I'm very thankful. Like my other friend, like I said, it's a very small community, but he's the funeral director. And so the next morning when he went to pick them up, I told him I'm riding with you. Yeah. So everything happens in Toledo, which is about an hour away from us. So he let me, he let me go with him and, and, and bring them home. And then um, he let us spend the night in the funeral home with them till, till the funeral. Oh, that's nice that they did that. I know. I, I am so grateful for that, that I had all that time with them. Yeah. yeah. It's so hard. I mean, yeah, that's... I, you know, I've said it on the podcast before that, like, one of my biggest regrets was, you know, when they told me he was dead when I was in the ambulance. And they're like, okay, we're going to go to the hospital now. And Andy's not going to go there. He's going to go to the morgue. And I just, like, I still to this day, I regret not asking to hold him. I mean, I didn't, I didn't ask to see him I just didn't I didn't even think to and I honestly don't know that they would have let me because they didn't let you and it in some ways it almost makes me feel better that they didn't let you because they very likely would have said no I mean I also had been unconscious and I really didn't need to go to the hospital because I just feel like man I wish I could have gotten a hold of him one more time because I didn't see him until you know the visitation which was days later he died on a Wednesday I didn't see him till Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. Yeah. That's a long time. I mean, I saw them doing CPR for a few seconds before I started going so hysterical that they pulled me away. But I never was closer than 20 feet. I know. And I think when I had met with the sheriff's office, you know, I, I kind of talked to them about that. Like, and they had said, well, you know, it's potentially a, cri- a crime scene. Right. And ours was a crime scene, right? And so they didn't know what had happened and, you know, they had to worry about that. But I'm like, I know, but you just sent me away and I, and you just wanted me to go home. Like, yeah, like I was just gonna, I needed to see my babies. Like, I just, there's no way. Yeah. Like I felt like they did. They just sent me like, and my husband, he, he was on the other side of the bridge. So they wouldn't even let him, they wouldn't even let him get there and they sent him away. So he, so we're on opposite ends of the bridge. And so um, we never even got to be together there because they had pretty much put him down on the ground because he was still trying to come and, and they wouldn't let him come. So he had an awful experience on that other side and, and me and me. And I think as a mom, like afterwards I had to like, I had to talk to the fire department. I had to talk to the police. I had to talk to that paramedic who didn't call 911 and who was out searching yeah. for my kids. Because I, I kept thinking, like, if somebody would have called 911, you know, maybe they would have survived. Um, right. And my husband kept telling me, like, just stop. Like, it's not – nothing's going to change the end result. Like, where he's – for him, it, it was like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, what we want – is not going to change. Like you can talk to everybody in the world and, and the end result is, you know, we're going to have to wait, you know, to see them again. So. 
Yeah, I totally get it, though. And I, I remember feeling those same kind of feelings. You just, I don't know, just want to understand a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I think like that was my whole purpose. Like, and then it, like for me, I had so much guilt because I thought, oh my gosh, like, why did I even send him? Why didn't I cancel the appointment? Or why didn't I just call in? And Right. And you're thinking to yourself, why didn't I remember sooner? Because then they would have gone, you know, maybe that would have changed something. Or why didn't I just not remember? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like that too. Like, why didn't I just not remember? And then, yeah. Or why didn't I take the day off? Like when I did remember, why didn't I say, no, everybody's going to be rushing. So let me just take the day off or the snow or. Yeah, it's, we do that to ourselves. We do all this, what if, what if, what if, or I should have, I should have, I should have. And I mean, your husband's right in that it doesn't, doesn't do any good, but you tend to do it anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's why I always think about Gwen telling me, don't should yourself, you know, I know (laughs) trying to do that and, and just always thinking. And what I always try to think now is something that she reminded me to do with, I did the best that I could with what I knew at the time right? You didn't, you didn't know that was a bad thing at the time. I mean, at the time it seemed like, oh, I remember they've got plenty of time to get to the dentist, right? If you'd have remembered at quarter to nine, you would have been like, forget it. But you remembered really soon and they had plenty of time to get there and they got there safely. They didn't, you know, weren't rushing. So started, uh, you know, I tell myself like school hadn't started yet. So they were still able to answer their phones and Right. There was no reason for you not to do it. I mean, it made perfect sense to have them still go. Perfect sense. But it's it's just what we end up doing to ourselves, right? Yeah. I know. Unfortunately, I feel like, you know, I'm coming up on the five-year mark and I still just every day just think, why did I do that? Yeah. Yep. And I do those things too. I I definitely do those things. When I, when Andy came home, he got home and we should have probably headed straight out to go to the game because we really didn't have enough time for him to go upstairs. But he ran upstairs to his room, which is I am in that now, and to change his clothes out of his soccer, his stuff that he was practicing in. I don't know why he wanted to change, but he wanted to change to go to the game. And um I was downstairs because Peter had a checkup the next day and we had to fill out these surveys online and I hadn't done it yet. And I was feeling like all bad that I hadn't done it yet and I needed to get this stupid survey done. And and so I was distracted and I didn't stop him from going upstairs. And I finished the first survey, this survey online. And then we got done with that. And then I like, Andy, we really have to go. We need to go. And so we went, and then, too, in the car, I handed Peter the phone to do the other survey. And I kept, and, and that's, see, that's a regret I have in my mind, too. Like, if I wouldn't, if I would have been more responsible and had those dumb surveys done ahead of time, or had I just waited, because the reason is, of course, I was going to a work event, I was going to see the other doctor that was going to do his checkup the next day and I would like didn't want to not have the survey done I wanted to be able to say oh I've got it done it's already in there and it was like would be embarrassing or something to me to not have this thing done right so it was not like it was unreasonable for me to have done it but I so focused on that stupid survey and how 
Had I just either done it earlier or forgotten about it entirely, then our timing would have been off just that much differently, right? And then that woman who hit us, you know, this is the thing. She would have hit somebody else, would have probably killed somebody else. But, you know, it's hard, right? It's just those all those silly little things. And I can't believe I focused that much on it, but I did. And I don't think I've talked about that on the podcast before about how much I focused on, you know, just me, like just knowing that had I been a little more responsible and done it or had blown it off entirely, that maybe we would have been 45 seconds different in our trip. And that would have made a difference. And I also regret, too, that he came upstairs to his room. I then was yelling for him to come down and he said something like, oh, geez, or something like that. And his sister hurt him. And so the last thing she said to him was her saying to him, is, Andy, don't talk like that. And then that has to be what she remembers as the last words that she said to her brother. Was like, you know, chewing him out for using some not great, I mean, not horrible language, but not great, right? Not what you want him to say. And so that's that she had to live with, too. And she was felt so bad that those were the last words she said to her brother, you know, just just all these little regrets that you have that that you know, aren't anybody's fault. They're not. They weren't bad decisions. None of them were bad decisions. I tell her all the time, like, that was not a bad thing for you to say to him. He shouldn't have used language like that. He shouldn't have. And that was not bad for you to call him out on that. But yeah, this is what we do to ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I mean, it purely came out of love, for, like from her. Like, yeah, you know, right. Correcting him. Yeah. Right. Just correcting him. Just knowing he shouldn't do that. So... So why don't you talk a little bit about your grief journey and what that's been like then? Yeah. So my grief journey, like I say, like, you know, as some, so many of your listeners have, have mentioned, you know, my little community, uh, my family, you know, my friends, they've, they've really carried me and my husband along, you know, because at first, you know, just to turn the corner to come home to nothing yeah. felt impossible because we had these lives like where we just ran all day yeah from one thing to the next to the next um you know we spend most of our free time in a gym and you know you complain which I would take back yeah a million times like about sitting in a gym all day or having bleacher butt like I'd take it back in a heartbeat so they, you know, I really, I just leaned in. I need people where I feel like my husband's more an introvert, but like I need people all the time. I feel like when I am alone, my thoughts just, it's, it's, it was just too dark, yeah. too hard. Um, I did try to do counseling. Um, I never went to a older child loss group. I, I started off with counseling um, just for myself. Um, but I found a lot of counselors like really felt like they couldn't help me. Um, yeah. They were having a hard time relating. So I, I feel like I needed someone more that had experienced grief. Yeah. Because I had found myself with one lady who everybody did an amazing job. And I also 
um, work per diem um, as a psychiatric nurse. So, you know, I have a lot of coping skills and, and I, I, I leaned in on them. They, you know, they worked, you know, I got out of bed every day, but I felt like when I was going to this counselor, I was just going to have somewhere to go after yeah. work. I wasn't really getting anything. I just, it was one more thing preventing me from turning this corner to this dark, empty house that used to be so full of light. Yeah. I feel like I, I did. I stayed really busy. You know, my lady friends, they they would exercise with me because at first I, I couldn't run because I couldn't stop crying. And to, yeah. <laughs> to run, you can't cry. You know, I, I it's really hard to cry and run. You can walk and cry. So at first, you know, they, they really, you know, met me every night when I got home and were here for me. So when I would turn the corner, they'd be in my driveway. Yeah. So I wouldn't be alone and we'd exercise and then, you know, then my husband would get home and so I wouldn't be alone. I think that was like the hardest part in the beginning is just going from having all this energy in your house and just being busy to having absolutely nothing. Yeah. And not that I'm saying my husband is nothing because he is everything, but it's just different. Like our children were, I mean, pretty much our entire marriage had been with them. Um, yeah. I said, and, and and to go to having this empty house was just overbearing. And so then, um, you know, I started listening to podcasts, which I still, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I didn't look back. When did you start your podcast? What year was that? I started in uh, September of 2019. Okay. So, so I would say probably around then too. I, I was listening to all these different podcasts. So I am so shocked. I never like came just to fill my drive. And I had listened to this one that said sometimes, you know, and like I said, I'm, I'm Catholic and I, I have strong faith, but I had listened to some spiritual lady who had said sometimes when they're taken too soon that they want to come back again, which is weird. That got kind of got in my head, which is weird. And so I started thinking like, maybe we should have another one. I'm older now, you know? Um, And so I started thinking like, maybe, maybe we need to have another child just to give us something. Yeah. Not that I thought that it could happen, but we did, we tried and I ended up getting pregnant and that was very, it, it was a very emotional roller coaster for us too. Um, I really didn't tell anybody until I was about 28 weeks. I was just, I was older, you know, so yeah. that makes you have high risk pregnancy. I was, thir- I was 39 when I ended up delivering, oh, going to be 40. So pretty yeah. shortly after. So, and I just thought like, you know, my, my chances of, you know, miscarrying were probably higher than, than ever. And I was just so scared, you know, once your world's been just shooken yeah. I don't feel like, okay, nothing bad's going to happen to me oh, again. Right. Right. I just, I'm just waiting for the next thing. Yes. I do feel like now, you know, my faith is stronger. And I do believe, like God said, you know, He sent Jesus and He, Jesus had to carry a cross. And I feel like, you know, we're all here carrying crosses. It's, it's one thing that I, I feel like I've learned is that we're all going to die, but, and we all lose people. And, and maybe I feel like, I was more ignorant, even being a nurse, like, you know, we deal with so many different things, but I feel like I lived kind of naively, like, it's not going to happen to me, like, it can't happen to me, you know what I mean? Like, all these things happen, and I'm there to support other people, but was I truly, did I, was I really compassionate, like, looking back, like, no, 
I wasn't, you know, I was just clocking in and clocking out, you know, not really taking the time. And so I just felt like, okay, now I have this heavy cross that I'm carrying and I'm going to bring another life into this world. And how long is God going to let me keep this one? You know, I kind of had that thought during my pregnancy. So in the midst of COVID, because, you know, I delivered in August of 2020. Uh Uh-huh. I had Jax and he has been, I say, a blessing and a distraction that we needed. But sometimes, like, I love him and I hope he never hears this podcast. <laughs> but sometimes I feel like he takes away time. Like, I would lay at the cemetery every day and I go to the site where the crash happened, you know, and I would be able to spend time there. And now, you know, we'd go to the cemetery and he's running all over, pulling things out, you know? And so I don't spend as much time there and it makes me feel guilty or the site. Like I I can't explain, I call it the site where, where they died, but I poured a lot of time into trying to make that place beautiful, planting flowers and adding lights and just um, making it, somewhere nice but there is like a drop there's like a I would say I don't know 20 feet drop oh wow until you know like I said it's not really a ditch it's a it's a pretty big creek and and there's ticks and you know it's just wild life just in the middle of the country so you know I feel I feel that guilt that I don't spend as much time in those two spots with them since I've had them. And I think, I think that that part like sometimes just wears on my soul. Like I'm not giving them enough time either. Yeah. So much of that mom guilt that we have, right. All the time, all the time, even after they're gone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have not, Eric and I went once to the accident site and stopped but just the one time it's it's on a super busy stretch of freeway and it's not, you know, a safe place to stop at all. Yeah. We did the one time we were on our way to go pick out his his stone for the cemetery and we stopped and people had put up a little makeshift memorial actually. They had a little angel kind of there with I think a soccer ball even kind of crazy and and people had had stuff there. And then they had um, people had even picked up pieces of our car, like just pieces of reflectors and put them there. And then there were little like, I think a pad, an EKG pad, you know, just little, little bits of medical stuff that had not been picked up either. So those things were all there. But I've not stopped since because I've just, I keep sort of wanting to, but not really wanting to put anyone else in a really very potentially dangerous situation to try to pull off on the road, on, on a road that busy. And there's no place, like, it's by the baseball field, but there's a barbed wire fence on the other side, so I can't, like, go in the parking lot and... I could probably go in the parking lot and just stand and watch, but I can't go to the spot, right? Because there's this fence. So it's hard to know what to do. It's so hard to know what to do. Like, you just don't know. I don't, 
because I feel like I want to be there. But yet, on the other hand, it's been up until just recently, I like feel nauseated even driving past the spot. I mean, I've I've had to pull over on the road and just actually vomit a few times, you know, just driving past. So it's it's hard. Those places are hard. You just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's been a long time. I know. I don't know whatever happened to the little statue. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I know it. I mean, the weather just, it, it takes a lot. Like we have some crosses and I mean, it's just upkeep and they, everything, you know, just gets weathered and like, you know, their friends, like you said, they set up so much stuff and pictures, and, you know, with the weather here, it just, yeah. they start fading away and, and then that's hard too. Cause I like, you know, you wanted everything to stay and it's like, you feel that, like, I feel that like, oh my God, time's passing, they're passing, like their memories going. Um, nah. Like I don't ever want them like forgotten and yeah. And like I watched like that silly movie, like I shouldn't say it's silly, but like Coco, you know, and I like I don't know if you've ever watched Coco. Oh yeah. I, I feel like that. I feel like, yeah. You know, I can't I can't let their memory fade. And so I do do silly things all the time. Um, you know, I feel like if I could put up Xavier and Aiden flags everywhere, I would. I hang a flag there. I host a race on um it's close to March 21st because March 21st was the day they died. So we have the three, two, one run. It's at X and A 5K. Oh, yeah. Here, where I live. So I do, I host that every year. Aiden, like I said, running was such a big part of their lives. And he had went to running camp and he fell in love with like glow run. And so yeah. I host a, a glow run in August for his birthday. Have to keep doing these things, you know, and people say like, well, will I stop? And I I said, I guess eventually, you know, if people stop coming, then I will. But as long as people keep coming to remember them with me, then no. <laughs> it means so much when people remember. It, it does. So much. It does. And I, I am very fortunate. Xavier, he had a friend whose mom, like, I always knew her as Kelly, you know, like Kelly, you know, and we'd carpool and I'd run into her, but I always like thought she was like this lady that did these things with these bears. Uh-huh. And I didn't really know what she did. And um, she runs a program called Sufficient Grace Ministries. And they like do um, pretty much like perinatal bereavement and hospice wow. to anybody that's lost a child or an infant. You know, they deal more with infant loss, but child lost too and so I had her in my back pocket the whole time and I never even like I said I kind of was just naive didn't really understand what she was doing and so I have gone to support groups that she has for you know women that have lost you know their children um and sometimes I feel like I'm an imposter there um because I had my babies you know I did I had Xavier for 17 years and Aiden for 14 years and you know, these ladies, you know, some of them, you know, they never even got to bring them home from the hospital or, you know, they had a miscarriage or their baby was born, stillborn, or yeah. they only lived, you know, days, months. And so I do feel like I'm an imposter, imposter at, at their support groups, but they've welcomed me and it's here in my little town. And, and Kelly just does such amazing work that 
like part of me sometimes I want to do what she does when she goes to the hospital and, and help these families as they're going through that loss process. I just feel like I just mentally, I can't keep it together. I don't know if I could go. But she said, you know, it, sometimes it feels like heaven's meeting earth. And yeah. I, I, I want to feel that, I think, all at times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe this, uh, just even coming on the podcast and sharing the story here is a is a first step for you, right? To be able to kind of explore that a little bit and and telling your story and maybe being able to talk to other people who's who's lost kids that are a little bit older than the ones that you've been able to meet with yeah I mean I've gotten so much out of just listening to you know I would say probably like 10 you know at this point 10 different podcasts just you know it's just you don't feel like you're so alone and and like listening you know like when I'm still struggling with holidays and and you did your podcast like I mean just yeah having somebody validate everything that you're feeling just I can't tell you makes you feel like you're not just the only crazy mom that's just yeah well and we lost our boys not that far apart actually right I mean I just was a few months after you correct so yeah, so that that there's something to that too when you have somebody that's going through it really at the same time kind of it feels it feels nice in a way. I mean, you don't want them to be feeling it certainly, but it does make you feel less alone to know that yeah. someone else is feeling the same thing. And sometimes I feel like, you know, the only other person that really feels like like me is my husband <laughs> yeah. that I can talk to here, but it's hard. I think, I think for him, like he just wants to be like poised for me. So like when I'm melting down, he's able to be, you know, my strong point. But, and when he is, I cry. (laughs) Yeah. So then I feel like he has to, he feels like, you know, that macho, he stops. And, and so I'm like, I don't want to like put him in a different space either when I want to talk about it and he 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 doesn't want to go there you know what I mean and so I feel like sometimes our communication really kind of struggles yeah yeah for sure and I think we all can understand that and appreciate that too I think like your podcast is good because like when I I want to be feeling how I'm feeling I can listen to somebody and and just have like a connection you know not in this alone yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing your boys oh, with us today. You. I really just got so much up from it and appreciate your input so, so much. So thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. 
please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.